In this final episode of the series entitled For the People in the Back, Dr. Justin Hillhouse takes the lead. He teaches us that we all are ministers, which is an idea taken from 2 Timothy 4, 2-5. Hillhouse shares only one vital point from this passage. Therefore, let's pay close attention to Justin Hillhouse. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be looking there in verses 2 uh, through Five. Now, the topic that we're going to talk about today, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about it uh, here uh, as we start, and then I'm going to turn it over to you because i got some discussion questions that you can uh, talk about there at your table. But when you read the book of 1st and 2nd Timothy, those two books, you realize that these are letters of encouragement to Timothy as a young pastor. So really, these letters are meant for ministers. They're intended for ministers. But the reality is, is that we as Christians, we as Christian men, we are all ministers in some sort of way, shape, or form wherever you are. So whether you're at the job, you are a minister. Whether you are at home, guess what? You are a minister. Whether you're on the ball field, guess what? You are a minister. And so when we read these passages and we read through First and Second Timothy, you might say, well, this is not really for me. But the reality is, is that this is for all of us because all of us as Christian men are called to be ministers wherever we're at. Now, one of the things I'm going to enjoy about uh, uh, this topic that we're going to talk about is, number one, uh, John Mark has talked about this topic, uh, you know, just as a point. It has not been a main um, uh, thrust in his sermons, okay? But he's mentioned it as a point. But today we're going to really focus on this. And on top of that, I'm really excited because this gives us as a chance of guys just to vent. All right? Have y'all just kind of wanted to vent sometimes? Yes. Yes? Okay, thank you. All right? Does something ever happen and you just go, okay, I've had enough, all right? And you just kind of want to say, hey, I, I need to vent. I need to let something go. Well, this is an opportunity uh, for you to spend some time with some other guys to talk about that. Now, as I said earlier, we, when we look at First and Second Timothy, we look at it and it is... Uh, it is two ministers and to give them guidance. And I really like what Billy Graham said um, is, is he said this, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. And so when we look at this passage of, of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2, through five, this famous passage. It's written for ministers. It's written to ministers. And we as Christians, if we are ministers in our world of influence, then this is written to us. Now, the passage is famous. It's quoted a lot, but let's just read it here real quick. In 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 2, it says, Preach the word. All right, I like that. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful 
instruction. If you have uh, lipstick, pen, mascara, I don't know why you would have lipstick or mascara, but uh, if you have that, underline that pen, pencil, underline that right there in your, uh, in your Bible or highlight it there in your bi- uh, in, uh, there on your, um, on your app, if you have that, highlight it there with great patience and careful instruction. For the time, verse 3, will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now today, guys, I only have one thought from this passage. And all God's men said, one simple, easy thought. And it's a phrase that jumped out at me because when I first opened up God's Word and I began to study this passage, I began to study there in verse 2, preach the Word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I thought, man, what a great little famous passage that we all know or maybe we've all heard and we said, hey, you know, let's kind of dissect this. But as I read the full passage, as I read kind of everything that is attached with verse 2, all of a sudden there's this little bitty phrase that jumped out and I said, you know what, that's me right there sometimes. As a matter of fact, the, the phrase that we are going to look at even happened to me yesterday in the silliest form and fashion, and we are going to get to that. But each of us have a ministry, whether we know it or not. We have a ministry to our family, to our kids, to our wives, and to our co-workers, to those on the ball field. And so when you look at this passage, one thought that really jumps out, and that is there in verse 5, it says, But you keep your heads, keep your head in all situations. And here's the thought today. The thought is simply this. Control yourself and your responses. Do not react. Control yourself and your responses and do not react. When you look there in verse 2, you see the challenge that Paul gives to Timothy about being a man that ministers and that shepherds. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, to rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. When we walk out here into this world, we know and we realize that sometimes the truth, most of the time the truth is not really welcomed. And why is that? The truth is not welcomed because why? It exposes that which is wrong. It exposes that which is wrong is wrong and sometimes people do not like that they do not want light brought in to their darkness and so there in verse 2 it says preach the word be prepared in season and out of season no matter the situation no matter the situation god's word scripture 
is applicable to it. And it is the very foundation. Hear me now. Scripture is the very foundation of what we talk about. It is the very it should undergird all of our conversations, whether it's in business, whether we're talking sports, trucks, guns, what's going on with the economy, what's going on politically, what's going on socially. Everything that we say should be undergirded in Scripture. And things that we see and that we read and that we study in Scripture should not be taken lightly, but rather taken with great seriousness. Why? Because it shows us how to live. It shows us what to believe and how to interact with others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And when you see there in verse 2, you see that we as men, we as ministers in our area of life, we see that scripture and that we should teach, that we should speak in three ways. First way is with uh, the way of being correct. We must be correct. We must endeavor uh, to deal with people in a plain and simple way in order that when we speak, we bring about correction or we affirm the correct way. Honesty is always the best policy. Now hear me, honesty is always the best policy, but it does not give you the permission to be rude. Y'all with me on that? It really bothers me when guys just say, well, you know what? I'm just a blunt guy. Well, I understand that, right? I understand just being plain and speaking the truth. However, you can be blunt without being rude. There are a lot of guys that they want to use the excuse of being blunt so that they can be rude. And that's not what Scripture talks about, okay? Scripture does not say, hey, listen, be blunt. It says, hey, listen... Correct. Give the right direction, but do it in a manner. What does it say up there in verse 2? Do it in a manner with great patience and careful instruction. If we are to correct, let us do it with great patience and careful instruction. If you look in Proverbs 15, verse 32, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. When we step into this, a situation, we, we begin to talk and we begin to correct. We should do it in a manner that helps people gain understanding. When God corrects us, why is He correcting us? So that we may gain understanding. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. What does it say? Gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And so we see that Scripture and that our talk should be used to correct. Secondly, it is used to rebuke. God is not pleased with our sin, nor should we be pleased with sin. And so sin should be called out. We should call it out when somebody lies to us. We should call it out when somebody is 
going a different direction that God wants us to go. Whether it's personally, whether it's publicly, right is right and wrong is wrong, is it not? God is not gray in this area and neither should we be. And so scripture is used to rebuke. We are called to rebuke. Um, my son uh, decided to kind of tell a little fib the other day. And guess what? We called it out, right? Because that's what you do. You don't just accept it. You say, hey, what you're telling me is wrong, kiddo. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not really what happened? Proverbs 8, 13, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Hebrews 10, 26, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. We are called to correct. We are called to rebuke. And then we are called to encourage. Scripture is here to encourage us, point us to God, lift us up. And so we as ministers, we as men, we are called to do the same. We're called to correct, we're called to rebuke, but we're also called to encourage. I don't know, is Freddie Vestal here today? I don't see him here. Is he online? Is Freddie online? We don't know? Okay, good. He's not here. Let's talk about him. Dude, y'all hang out with Freddie Vestal. That guy is the most encouraging guy ever. I mean, are y'all with me on this? Y'all know who I'm talking about. Hey, this guy, I mean, I just want him around me all the time because he makes me feel so awesome. Like, all the time. I'll see him and be like, hey, Justin, hey, man, you're doing a great job. I'm like, yes. I just screwed up big time. And he's like, dude, you're doing such a fantastic job. Dude, you look so good, man. What are you doing with your hair right now? Dude, just, just hang out with Freddie and you'll, you will feel so much better about yourself. You know why? Because he's always encouraging you. If you need an uplifting word, just walk up to Freddie. He won't even know you and he will find something about you to encourage you. It's so awesome. And we... We need that. Guess what, guys? Other guys need to be encouraged. And we need to be there as ministers, as men, to encourage other guys. We need to hear that. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Man, when I'm struggling... Where do I go? Where do I turn? I turn my eyes to the Lord. Romans 15, verse 2. But each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. It's funny here at Cottonwood, we say we have the ministry of sarcasm, right? Amen. <laughs> I got an amen out of that. We do. We have the ministry of sarcasm. When we enjoy, you know, having fun with each other, kind of cutting each other down. And yeah, that's fun. Ha, ha. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, man, we're here to encourage you. We're here to lift you up. We're here so that when you walk out of these doors and you go out into this world, you're charged up, you're fired up. You are ready to go be the ministers that God has called you to be in your family, in your home, at your job. Wherever it is you are to be.
Look at this. In verse 3 and 4, as Paul continues to write to Timothy, what does he say? For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. People must hear, and we as ministers of the gospel, all of us men in here, we are called to preach and to teach. For a time will come when people do not want to hear it. And I don't know about you, but you may... I've been in those situations where you bring forth the truth and people are like, nope, I don't want to hear it. No, I just, I just don't want to hear it. Whether it's from Scripture, whether it has something to do with morals and ethics, people will say, hey, listen, I do not want to hear it. Please don't tell me. Or they try to sweep it underneath the rug. And people will turn their ears and they will seek after that which only affirms them and their thoughts. Sounds like our culture, does it not? It sounds like exactly what our culture is going through. I only want to hear what I think. And that is scary. But now let's get to the main thought, which is this, and that's in verse 5. And we see this phrase that jumps out. See, this passage kind of builds up there to verse 5. And what does it verse 5 say? It says, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I love that. In the CEV version, it says this, but you must uh, keep control of yourself in all circumstances. The NASB says, but you be sober in all things. The message says this, but you keep your eye on what you are doing. But I love how the NIV just simply says, but you keep your head in all situations. Um, how many of y'all play baseball? Anybody play baseball growing up? Play softball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're with me. I used to have a coach, right? And uh, when I was playing ball, and <clears throat> whether we were in the batter's box, whether we were in the outfield and we missed, it didn't matter. He would always yell this, Get your head right with the ball. That's what he would yell. Get your head right with the ball. And we kind of shortened it down to, hey, get your head right with ball. Head right with ball. And guys, we have to get our heads right with the ball. What was he saying when he was saying, hey, get your head right with the ball? What was he saying? Focus, concentrate. Take everything else out of whatever is in your mind, in your head. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Don't worry uh, uh, about the picture. Don't worry about anything else. Only focus on your job right then and there. Get your head right with the ball. And we as Christian men need to be able to stay focused on what God has called us to do and not be distracted when things begin to come our way. We need to be able to keep our heads, keep our cool, 
in all situations. And guys, I don't know about you, but there are some things, man, they just set me off. Y'all with me on that? Uh, yesterday, preparing this, and then I go to a little barbecue afterwards, and uh, somebody said something. And you know what? I just about went off. I just about lost my cool. I just about lost my head. And you know what? I had this passage on my mind, and I didn't know what to say other than just kind of go off on them. But instead, you know what I did? I said, next subject. (laughs) Next subject. And they all kind of looked at me like, well, what's wrong with this subject? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Next subject. They were like, well, why? And I was like, y'all want me to lose my cool? They were like, well, no. I was like, the next subject, let's keep the conversation going. And it got awkwardly silent for a minute. It got awkwardly silent for a minute. And then somebody picked up another, you know, topic, and we just kind of went on with life. I said, next subject. And it was a stupid subject. It was a silly subject. But you know what? It really hacked me off. And I didn't want to talk about it. And you say, Justin, what was the subject? (laughs) The subject was the topic of my son's haircut. (laughs) Does anybody care? No, but apparently a few people did. They thought they'd talk about it. They wanted my opinion. And I said, I ain't talking about it. Next subject. And you say, Justin, that's... That's silly. That's stupid. Guys, sometimes it is the smallest, simplest thing into which we could lose our cool. And guess what? If I would have lost my cool about the topic of a silly subject about a haircut, what else am I going to lose my cool about? And where else am I going to lose my focus? And how could I lose my witness by going off on something silly like that to other people around me? Huh? I mean, is that not the truth? I mean, if I'm going to go off about a simple haircut, what about something else major? And where does my focus need to be? Where does your focus need to be? Look at what Scripture says. It reminds us over and over again. In the NIV, what does it say? It says to keep your head in all... Look at that. Keep your head in all situations. That includes the topic of a haircut. And guys, there are so many things that just, they can set you off. Can they not? I mean, if you sit here and you really think about it, man, what are some things that do it? What are some things you can, we're going to talk about that and you can, you can vent if you want to. But I like what scripture says in other translations. It says, Um, To be sober-minded. You know what sober means? It means this from Webster's Dictionary. It says this, not intoxicated or drunk. Now, this is important because I just kind of, and this is a complete side note, but you have to remember that when you are drunk, you are not in control of yourself. You're not in control of yourself. And what does Scripture say when you are to be sober-minded. What is it saying? Be in control 
of yourself. You can reference Ephesians 5.18, which talks about do not get drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. But to be sober also means this, quiet or sedate in demeanor, or marked by seriousness or gravity. To have our minds with us. Guys, there are people, there are situations, there are topics in which they cause us to lose our minds. It causes us to be put into a tailspin. And over and over in Scripture, we see God telling us, Hey, listen, don't lose your mind. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of things is near, therefore be alert. And of, what does it say? Of sober mind, so that you may pray. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I like what Watchman Nee said. He said this, We must have a spirit of power towards the enemy, a spirit of love towards men, and a spirit of, get this, of self-control towards ourselves. We must have a spirit of self-control towards ourselves. Guys, there are, there are times in our lives, there are moments in our lives where, where we just lose it. And we lose it, guys, let's be honest with each other, sometimes over the silliest stuff, do we not? It is the silliest stuff. And it can cause us maybe to lose our witness. It could cause us maybe to hurt somebody that we don't intend to. There is so much damage that can happen when we lose it. And when we are triggered. And Scripture calls us to simply to simply to control ourselves, to keep a level head. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to future episodes of Men's Bible Study.